Welcome to For Us, the Black Maternal Child Health Podcast. I'm your host, Naima Mohammed. Thank you for being here. On this episode, we will be talking about my birth story. Have a very honest and frank conversation about my birth story. I think if you, when you are in the field of maternal child health and even just public health, there is something that brings you to the field. And for me, it was having my own child. Before having my child, uh, I have a son. He is just turned nine years old, actually. But before I had him, I never really saw myself as being a mother. And I know that may sound a little weird. So for me, my story began immigrating here to the United States being the oldest of eventually three siblings, but being the oldest in an immigrant household living in the United States, trying to be essentially an American in in my own way. So with the responsibility of being an older sibling, being a secondary caretaker, not only just for my sibling, but also for extended family members who stayed with us, I was always in a caregiver position. And so as I got older and went through my various stages, me being a mother myself wasn't my primary goal. And so I think I was about 23 when one day I had a miscarriage and it was hard to understand what was going on. It was also hard to conceptualize what feelings I should have because I didn't even know I was pregnant. I was on birth control, was, you know, doing all the things. In that moment, I had a child. And it was, like I said, it was just very hard to understand. But we continued, or at least I did. And several, a couple years later, um, I had another miscarriage. This time, I, I kind of knew that I was pregnant. Now, was I ready for it? That's a whole nother question and another debate. But I knew I was pregnant. But it was very hard to prove that I was pregnant. Had an ultrasound, nothing there. Had a pregnancy test, indicated positive. And according to the doctor, this is sometimes these things happen. And I use, use that very loosely which didn't make sense to me either. You know, being a logical person, being someone that was smart, could figure out some of these things. I just couldn't understand how I felt pregnant, but no one could see anything. Fast forward to a few years later, I'm now really pregnant. It's funny, I remember hearing several years ago, an interview by Jada Pinkett Smith, and she said she knew the night she conceived her oldest child. And I hate to say it, but I agree with her. I mean, I like her and she is controversial, but I I do like her. And I felt the same exact way. I knew the night that I conceived my son. And soon enough, I had to make a decision if this made sense or not for me. And in the context of my current relationship, just all of these different variables that I don't think most people think about, maybe maybe not men, maybe I'll say that. Most men don't think about, and then if they do, I would love to have a man on the show to come talk about that. But in the context of me as a woman, I thought about everything. I thought about my career, 
I was in the academic space on a tenure track. Is this what I want to do? How, how would this affect me? I had all, all of the questions, all of the concerns, but I knew if I did not pursue something, if I did not pursue this, what would I have to say for myself in terms of like, did I try? So I did. Had a very easy pregnancy, I have to say, knock on wood. But emotionally, it wasn't easy. Mentally, it wasn't easy. It was very hard to connect my body to my mind to my spirit. It felt like I was a vessel. It felt like I was doing the good Lord's work and carrying this child to fruition. But it was hard for me to understand what was really happening to my body. There were so many changes, my breasts, my stomach, my thighs, my butt. I mean, you name it, it happened. I went from an eight, wearing a size eight shoe to now wearing eight and a half, like my feet spread. So all these different things happen. And to me, it was unexplainable, but it was just, it just happened so fast. And I know a lot of, you know, within the literature of MCH and maternal health, there's a lot of literature around postpartum depression. But I would like to argue that there is some level of depression, even even while pregnant. Because in hindsight, when I look back, I definitely think I was depressed because there were so many emotions going on so many emotional highs and lows and the influx of hormones. I mean, just all of these, all of these things. I almost felt like I was planning for my end. You know, it was like, well, once I go out on maternity leave, I don't know if I'll come back. I don't know this. I don't know that. There was so, so much uncertainty. I say all that to say it was a total shit show (laughs) in my mind, but I had to present myself to be happy. I had to present excited when I really didn't know if that was true. And my, my husband at the time, you know, so excited and, you know, wanted to have a baby shower and all these things. I did not want any of that. And I'm really glad, even in that small moment, that he pushed for us to have a baby shower because it was beautiful. But I just, it was very hard for me to connect to it. It wasn't until the day I gave birth. I was fortunate enough throughout my pregnancy, especially second into the third trimester, I participated in a program called Centering Pregnancy at the doctor's office that I went to. Um, What I didn't know at the time is that the doctor's office that I had, the doctor I had was within a clinic at a federally qualified health center. I just thought it was a great ass clinic. Like, this is a one-stop shop. I can get everything done here. I felt very privileged, but also very seen. And I really appreciated that. So Centering Pregnancy is a program really centered on group prenatal care. So you and a cohort of other women um, basically have your appointments together. 
you and the women share a the same gestational age. And from there, you, you're basically in this process of seeing your doctor every month to every two weeks to every week until your due date. And in these appointments, which are about two hours long, you have group talk, you talk about various topics related to birthing, postpartum, health of the mom, health of the baby, things to remember. We took a hospital tour. Uh, We took a tour of labor and delivery. We had conversations with doulas, interviewed doulas. the, The topics that were covered in those sessions ran the gamut. We would do the first half of the appointment. We would have a sit down with our doctor where we would be weighed, uh, measured, checked, or examined. Uh, We were responsible for taking our own weight and blood pressure, and all of those things were provided to us. And see your doctor, get checked out, talk to other women who look like you in physical form, but also emotionally and mentally, who can talk about the things that you might be going through, And then also have snacks. This place was perfect. I appreciated this program on so many levels because I think it definitely prepared me for motherhood and then also gave me the confidence that I needed. I didn't have it. You know, I was questioning every single thing going into my pregnancy and then even after, during, I mean, during and after. And so I had so many questions, but centering afforded me the opportunity to just be, be comfortable, find confidence as a soon-to-be mother. So my due date came as time went on. So eventually my due date came and went to get examined to see how far along if I was either contracting or having contractions, anything, no contractions. Okay. So I come back a week later. Contractions. Was I dilated? Nothing. Okay. So now this is a week and a half post due date. So it is the Friday before I'm supposed to be induced. And I go in for just a normal visit. I sit down. I get hooked up to the fetal heart monitor. And so I say, why? And she says, something might be wrong with baby. I said, well, I didn't feel anything. And she looks at the heart monitor. She's like, the heart rate, his heart rate went down twice while you were sitting here. I said, show me. (laughs) So I I look at it and I could see the dips. And I say, okay. So we go upstairs. By the time I got in, until but and then I got upstairs to labor and delivery and by the time my son arrived via c-section it was two hours and 20 minutes I was in there and out faster than I ever have been in my life but I didn't feel the emergency I didn't feel like anything was wrong so the urgency that they had I didn't feel my only issue in that particular moment, especially once I was in my 
<clears throat> once I was in the room, the waiting room, I guess the waiting room to go into surgery was I need to see my doctor. I need to hear from my doctor. I need to, I need for her to confirm with me that this is the right decision because this wasn't my birthing plan. This, you know, having a C-section was not a part of my birthing plan. I have had previous medical issues with surgery and was very cautious and, you know, honestly scared about having another surgery due to com previous com complications I had. So in this particular moment, all I wanted to hear was confirmation, logical confirmation that this was the right decision and that this wasn't a rushed decision by some doctor who felt like, look at this black woman, she's 41 weeks and five days, she's wasting time, she's not even dilated, let's just get her, is easier and faster and safer, according to them, to let's just, you know, get the baby out. And I just didn't want to subscribe to that narrative. I just wanted to confirm that I would be okay, that whatever previous complications I had and related to surgery would not flirt, come up again, the baby would be okay, and that both of us would be walking out of this hospital healthy and okay. So my, finally, my doctor comes after requesting her and really waiting. So most of the hour that I had in between, you know, from going from downstairs, from monitoring to upstairs to being prepped for surgery was me waiting for my doctor to arrive so I could just talk to her because I had, I stonewalled. I said, no, I don't want to talk to anyone until I talk to her. She comes in, we talk, but of course in the, in the middle of that, my mom calls. So I have to pause. And if you, if your African mother is anything like my African mother, I, or just black mother, now you get off the phone with your mom and now you're even more worried because now, you know, she reminds you that you're alone. She's not there with you. Your doula is not there. You don't have any, anyone else to support you other than at the time, my then husband. And she's like, I can't get there. I don't know when I can get there. I didn't know this was happening. She had all these things. And I was like, look, this is not about you right now. I love you, but I got to go I'll call you after if I can, or, you know, we'll figure it out. Of course, she wants to pray. So we pray really quick. And then I say, okay, I got to go. I come back to my doctor in tears of like now all the worry that I thought I didn't have or were kind of at bay came back up. So now my doctor is like, okay, let's just look at me. Let's just reassess. Let's go over this again. We go over everything again. The decision, is this the right decision? She examines me again. She looks at the heart monitor. She looks at the previous heart monitor strip. And she's like, I think this is the right call. I say, okay. So we, I get ready. I put everything in, in the bag that they give you, the little plastic bag. Everything that I own, jewelry, everything is in there. Because remember, I just came to just be examined. And now I'm having a full-on baby. So they put me, all the IVs, all the things in my arms. 
And of course, I have the smallest veins ever. And so they're having problems finding a vein, all these different things. And of course, that adds to my anxiety. Then they want you to walk to the surgery room. And of course, I look perplexed, like, I'm sorry, I have to walk myself to surgery as if this, like, this feels like, this doesn't feel right. This just feels weird. I had other thoughts, but I was like, I'm not going to go there. But it's just like, you want me to walk myself to surgery as if I want this to happen. But okay. So I get in there and all I remember hearing was Katy Perry. That song, her voice. I forget the name. I forget the name of the song, but it, I think I want to say it was stronger. But just hearing that in that moment, as I'm laying on this cold table, being prepped for a surgery that I did not want, not what I envisioned for myself for that day, carried me through. Ever since then, I've been a fan of hers, and she hopefully will become a fan of mine. I don't know, but just, just. Just her voice just carried me through that surgery. And by 1220, my son came out. He was fine. He was healthy. He was peeing as he came out. Definitely got got the doctors really good. Hopefully that was payback for the unpredictability of the day. But I had him. And... It was amazing, but then also so scary that now I had this little baby who I was responsible for, and I had to, I just had to be there in a nutshell. And so before I could gather my thoughts or emotions or just feel my legs, I was rolled into the recovery room where, you know, the nurses were great, but they were like, oh, you should, you should hold your baby, hold your baby. And I personally had never experienced having an epidural. So having an epidural, like I said, I've had previous complications with surgery. I couldn't feel my legs. I couldn't sit up. My body didn't feel like mine. It just it felt so strange, so, 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 so strange. I can't overemphasize that. It just felt weird. And it was hard to even feel my own body, let alone hold this little baby. I felt proud. I felt happy. But I also felt scared. I felt sad. I felt a lot of different things all at one time. And I didn't know how to express that other than just smile and nod and say thank you and I'm okay. I can't feel my legs. And they're like, it's okay. It'll get better. Hour later, I still can't feel my legs. It'll get better. Just give it time. Hold the baby. Hold the baby. Uh, I can't, <laughs> you know. And in this moment, I had to really advocate for myself and say what I could do and what I could not do. And hours later, can you feel your legs? I said, no, I can't feel them. Well, we have to take you up to your room. I said, okay. So we take us up to to our designated room. And I could sit up a little bit, but I still can't feel my legs. 
doc, my doctor comes in, she's like, just give it time. You might be having some residual effects from the epidural. Just give it some more time. If it doesn't clear up by the morning, then we have, then we'll take necessary steps. I said, okay. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, girl, are you crazy? Why are we waiting until the morning until I can feel my legs? I want to feel them now. But I, I just kept quiet, moved forward in the best way that I could in, in my mind of like, let me just focus on the baby, focus on the baby, see if he can drink a little bit of breast milk or see if I could you know, squeeze out something or I could feed him, just, just something. Let me just focus on the baby, focus on the baby. And before I knew it, I was so tired. Like all of the exhaustion that I, I guess, was holding on to was there before. I don't know. But all of the sudden, I felt so tired. And I had the best night nurse that I have ever seen in my life. And she came in and she said, you're tired. I said, yes, like really, really bad. And I still can't feel my legs. She said, let me take the baby to the nursery. You get some rest and we'll figure it out. When I tell you I slept so hard that night, or or even, I don't even know if it was the full night. I remember waking up a few times, but I slept so good and so well. I think that was the thing I needed because in the morning I woke up, I had a different nurse. And she was good as well. Not as good as the night nurse. Night nurse, she was she was an angel. But having that experience with her and then having that rest really allowed me to be okay that morning. Baby came back. I could start to feel a little bit of sensation or feeling in my left leg first. And then eventually my right leg. My right leg came along. And I could start to feel both of my legs and sit up and and even stand up without like feeling numbness in my feet. And we just stayed there. I mean, the first few day, the first day or so, first full day was very hard. Just trying to navigate paperwork and and you know, getting the baby getting checked out and all these just procedural things that had to happen. My biggest moment, I think for me, was just advocating that I stayed the full three days and that I felt good before leaving the hospital. Because I knew once I left the hospital, nobody else was going to check up on me in the ways that the nurses had to. So I wanted to ensure that my incisions were good. I was checked out. Baby was good. Baby was eating and doing well. I had all the, at least most of the tools that I needed to be successful. I wanted to ensure that we were good. And so day three came and we were discharged and we had to go, go home and figure this. Of course, now looking back on it nine years later, I don't know how I got through the first month, the first month of postpartum that first month honestly that first week was the hardest week of my life but when I look back to my birthing experience I have some choice words for 
the level of urgency that was implied on my circumstance when the baby was healthy and fine. But I also have a little bit of grace and compassion that is not the generalized story. Not everyone has the same experience or sometimes, unfortunately, they have worst experiences. And I know my story is just, just, is a nice one. But there are some moments where we can also be critical of it, of the, of the interactions that were made between myself and say the hospital or myself and the nurses or the doctors. And I think there could be some other critical conversations about postpartum care and understanding that first month of postpartum is the hardest, at least for me. And I've been in talking to my friends and other women that I know, that first month is so hard. You could have all the support in the world, but it is difficult. There's so much happening and so much, so much is changing within you, around you, that it is hard to kind of decipher which, where, where should you focus on? Who should you focus on? Should you focus on yourself, the baby, both? So many. Thank you for listening to my birth story. Please continue this dialogue as we share more birth stories, not only on our Instagram page, but also on Facebook. Follow us there. It's the For Us, the Black Maternal Child Health child health podcast and we will meet here again soon.